Well, I imagine most of you are familiar, uh, I know from my childhood, a game that we played on the playground somewhat frequently, Red Rover. Are we familiar? You know, Red Rover, Red Rover, send so-and-so on over. Well, I was reminded of this this week. I was listening to actually another pastor friend of mine, and she was sharing this memory that had come to her of playing Red Rover on the playground as a young girl. And in this story, they uh, had sort of ended up being lined up, boy, girl, boy, girl. And the boy next to her, as soon as they start, he kind of looks at her and he gets this grip and he's just like, whatever happens, don't let go. And she's like, okay, you know, I, I, I get that's the game. And, and as she looks up from that conversation, she looks across to the other line and there's a boy over on that side of the line and he like locks eyes. And it's like, she knows, he's coming for me. And, and so, of course, as you would expect, it goes on, that happens, and they're, and they're rushing for us, and she looks again to her, to her partner, and he has this look again in his eyes, like, whatever you do, don't let go. Like, I've got us, but let's just, let's stand our ground, hold on. And the line comes, and this, and you, you know how this happens sometimes, like, if you can't break through when you're running, then you like kind of like lay over and like you know maybe just the weight of like laying on their arms maybe I can I can I can break them down this way, and and this goes and uh, he doesn't get through, but she's telling this story and she was like in that moment of the impact and then the weight of his body she said I, I was doing everything I could to hold on and it became incredibly painful in my arm and then the weight of you know because he's he's pushing down with everything he's got. And she's like, it really, really hurt. But I had this confidence because I trusted in my partner and I knew that he was going to help carry me, that I was willing to endure that pain because uh, I thought that it was possible. I believed that it was possible to stand my ground, to resist, and to actually win that battle. Well, I probably don't have to paint a real big picture to get you the application, right? When you see something coming at you, you can draw courage and prepare. See, that's, that's the process that she went through. She knew what was going to happen. She saw what was coming, and she knew that it might be painful. She knew that it might be difficult. But because she prepared, she was able to stand her ground. She was able to resist that thing that tried to come against her. And we're going to explore this thought about being strong and courageous in our daily Christian walk. But the other thing that I want to point out to you from this story before we move on is the fact that her seeing ahead and knowing what was coming didn't eliminate the pain. See, sometimes we see what's coming and we prepare for it. And preparing is different from because there's other moves we could make that might insulate us from the pain, but not enable us to stand our ground. So she saw that pain coming, and she knew that it would be difficult and painful. And knowing that and preparing for it didn't enable her to skip the pain, but it enabled her to withstand, to resist, to still be standing strong when that battle, if you will, was over. Um, I'm going to flip to several different scriptures this morning, but I want to start off 
Uh, I love the way the Amplified Version renders Proverbs 21.31. says that the horse is prepared for the day of battle, but deliverance and victory belong to the Lord. I tell you all the time that the results are not our responsibility, right? See, it doesn't say that the victory belongs to us. We participate in the Lord's victory. We are heirs of the results of that, but it doesn't belong to us. It says the horse, so, and, and you know, don't worry, I'm not calling you all a bunch of horses A's. Like, that's, that's not where we're going here, so if that's in your mind, let's, let's put that aside. But see, our responsibility in this, in this battle of life, and if you don't feel like life is a battle, just wait, you will at some point, or you have at some point, or you currently feel that way right now. Our responsibility is to prepare. The victory, the deliverance belongs to the Lord. And we're going to explore what that looks like and the timing of that. But the first thing that I wanted to just point out to you is that when we look at this word courage, that's actually one of the things that courage means. Courage means preparation. Courage means that even as I'm Uh, To use a different phrase, staring down the barrel of the gun, like when I know that this difficult thing is trying to come against me, I'm going to have courage to go ahead and prepare. Not because I think that I can avoid the pain, but because I know who holds the ultimate victory. I, I have confidence in my partner who's holding my hand that I can prepare and with his help, I can't actually endure this thing that seems like maybe I can't. And so courage means preparation. Let's flip over to John chapter 16 real quick. John chapter 16, we're going to look just at verse 33. Oop, went right past it. John 16:33. This comes at the end of things that Jesus has been speaking, and we're not going to go back and read all of that, but in verse 33, he basically summarizes, I've told you all of this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. Unfortunately, the way that's worded, that's like a a promise or a guarantee. So, sorry. But take heart, I have overcome the world. In other words, he is trying to prepare us. He's saying, it's going to be hard. There are going to be unexpected developments. There are going to be things try to come against you, get in your way, distract you, try to get you to choose a different path. That's going to happen. It's going to be difficult. Things are going to test your resolve. Things are going to be filled with disappointment. There's going to be anxiety. There's going to be trepidation. Like, it's going to happen. But take heart. Because everything that you're going to have to go through is worth it because I have the victory. And I am with you. See, God doesn't ask us to walk through anything difficult that he doesn't walk through with us. And so he's trying to prepare us by just like giving us advance notice. Um, to illustrate this a different way, 
How many of you, you know, this never happens, but how many of you, you know, if someone called you on Thursday and said, tonight, uh, probably around midnight, I'm going to come break through your window and I'm going to, you know, steal everything I can get out of your bedroom. Would that possibly encourage some preparatory action? <laughs> yeah. And I know we might have a variety of thoughts of what that might look like. But I guarantee you, it, if you deemed it a credible threat, you know, and not just a friend, you know, playing a practical joke, you would prepare for that that you knew was coming. And so in the same way, we want to think about what things are we preparing for. And I, I thought of just a few uh, in, in the broadest context um, that, that, are, that we're currently living through but are also still coming. Have you thought about the fact um, that, that in just recent decades, and it's continuing to happen, we in our lifetime are actually living through the biggest communication shift in 500 years? Like the ways that we communicate is shifting drastically. And, and the last couple of years through COVID actually amplified that, uh, that transition and that shift. It was already happening um, at, a, at a rapid pace, and then it just intensified. But we see that that's, that's still coming. We are living through and still see coming down the, the pipeline um, in America a post-Christian culture. You know, it's it's no longer necessarily the the cool thing. It's not maybe as widely accepted uh, or as common. I mean, there are are so many people um, that are not that are not Christian in our country. It's not it's not like a, a extremely predominant uh, majority, perhaps to the degree that it once was. I also thought of it this way when we think about some of the difficulties. Uh, you know, through through COVID and things, people say, you know, the, things are being shaken up. You know, things are, which is true. <laughs> things There were things that were shaken. But I heard it uh, analogized to sort of the, the, the birth pains of, of child labor. And so as difficult as the last couple of years were, I feel like there's probably more birth pains coming. I don't feel like just because we've made it through this, this little two-year period, which in the grand scheme of things is just a blip. Like, and don't, don't, don't get discouraged. This is not like the direction of the message. But, you know, it's like this, this is not, it's not like that, that thing is over and now everything's fine again. Like, when you go through something that significant, things shift and they don't necessarily ever quite go back. But just like a woman in actual physical child labor when you start to have those those birth pains and those, like it, it's usually more than one. Like the, so, all, all I'm saying to you is, I know this is this is not encouraging. Like I'd rather just I'd rather just cheer you up and tell you everything's going to be great. It is, but for a different reason. But my encouragement to you is is to prepare. You know this this last couple of years, I don't think it's any understatement to say that it caught us off guard. I mean our culture. And, and for, for my context, uh, my friends and colleagues and people in the ministry, I mean, it, it, it shook the church maybe harder than some other institutions, right? Like it, it has changed things. And the number of, of people that I know who have left the ministry, like things have just shifted. 
But we need to not be ignorant that we're not guaranteed that just because we made it through this difficulty, there won't be another one. All right, now that you're all cheered up and ready to go, let's move on to the next thing. If courage is preparation, courage is also enduring pain and still believing. Just as I shared about my friend's story, you know, it wasn't just the preparation of knowing what's coming and embracing yourself and psyching yourself up and getting ready. It's like, no, when that thing actually hits and the pain begins, we have to actually endure that pain. We have to endure that pain and yet still believe the promises that were told, the, the hope that we had, the belief that we had, that victory is coming, we can't, we can't let that go in the midst of that pain. Romans chapter 8 is one way I like to think about this. In verse 18, it says, And yet what we now suffer is nothing compared to the glory that he will reveal to us later. Now, the context is different for every one of you. But think about, I mean, just for a moment, like don't like go to that place and get stuck. But in your deepest, darkest moment, in your moment of greatest pain and despair, what he's telling us is the depth of that pain is like not even on the same scale as the glory that will be revealed when we step into his victory. Like, so again, back up and think about this in, in the context of your own life. In my friend's story, she decided, she believed the victory was possible, and she decided that that temporary pain was worth the price. It was worth enduring that pain to see the victory. How many of us, you know, let's, let's just make a, a, a silly example. We used to talk when we taught uh, financial classes about, you know, if you don't, you don't manage your money right, you might accidentally eat your rent. It's like, you know, if you don't, if you don't prioritize things. But how many of us, you know, you can make a simple sacrifice. How, how painful is it to, you know, skip the Starbucks drive through lane, you know, one day in pursuit of a goal that you have, in pursuit of something that you're working towards that's really meaningful? And it's actually not a great, I don't actually love Starbucks. Sorry, I know it's like, ooh. I like our local coffee shops a whole lot better. Um, you know, but, but I just think about that context. Like, uh, I heard a preacher say one time, you know, the privilege and opportunity that we have is we know we can't avoid pain, but sometimes we can choose our pain. So in other words, sometimes choosing a small momentary sacrifice now might actually help us avoid a disastrous sacrifice that we don't have a choice about later. So in other words, if I, uh, you know, make a budget and make a grocery list and buy meals that I can prepare at home, I might not eat my rent. You know what I'm saying? Like there, there are these choices that we make, but I don't think we often realize or think about how we, we can choose the pain. Because like, actually that pain is much less. Than, than the disaster that might befall us later. And as he's telling us, even as, and he's not dismissing our pain, trust me, our Lord understands. But the greatest pain that you've experienced in this life, that you've had to endure, regardless of what it is, it's very real. It is not 
really anything compared to the level of glory that will be revealed to us later. You know, it occurred to me, and we don't talk about this a lot, but what we as believers do with loss, pain, and disappointment is one of the greatest indicators of what measure of faith we're walking in. Now, some might try to tell you, as a believer, well, you shouldn't have loss or pain or disappointment. Um, I haven't found that to be true. Uh, as a matter of fact, because of the choices that we sometimes have to make, I think believers sometimes might actually experience more. Because as we begin to understand the worth of the thing that we're pursuing, we will increasingly be more and more willing to pay that price, to endure certain pains and inconveniences in pursuit of that pearl of great price, the presence of Jesus, spending eternity with him, getting heaven into us now. The last thing that I think that courage is this morning, courage is trying again. Courage is overcoming the feelings of past failures and getting up and trying again and in doing that, not letting go of the promises. You see, I've probably told you this before, but... In my humble opinion, as I've studied the scriptures and and had this relationship with the Lord for 25 plus years, I have not found that the Lord rules through micromanaging, manipulation, control. I've found for those of us that are submitted to him, that are listening, that are acknowledging his lordship, that he leads us through permissions and promises. There are certain things that we desire, and if we ask, he'll allow us to do those things. And then he also gives us promises. And the reason that he gives us promises is he wants to give us things, if I can phrase it this way, to live towards. See, when, when the Lord gives you a vision or, or puts a promise on your life, it typically doesn't come with, you know, a, a five-minute countdown and poof, here it is. Right? Like a, a promise or a vision from the Lord is usually something significant enough that it can't be accomplished in a short time or in your own strength. Like if, you, if the vision for your life uh, is something that, that you can easily accomplish if you just, you know, get up a little earlier and muster a little extra strength and grit your teeth harder, that's probably not from the Lord. It's probably too small. The Lord gives us these promises, both both the promises we find in his word that are like these, these blanket promises for all believers that we all have access to step into and to walk in. And then he gives us individual promises, unique ways that we can live out our life. But I find, again, we, we li- where we live today is often in that tension between what I feel what I currently experience, and what the Lord has promised. And so I'm not here to give you some secret formula to make all of those promises manifest today, and if you go out the door today, then everything's going to line up, and it's all going to be great. All I'm saying is 
that as we do these things and we let the Lord lead us, let's live in a way that we're leaning towards those promises. Uh, because again, the, the preparation, that see, that's not all just about the negative. It's not all just about, I, I don't want you to take this message and become super enemy focused, that everything's about you know, preparing to resist the enemy. It's also preparing to step into the promises. See, as we've told you before, our God is good. He's not the author of death, disease, destruction. He doesn't send those things to us to teach us a lesson and keep us humble. But what he does is, in the midst of this crazy battle and this tension and this back and forth between us and the enemy, is even when that enemy throws that thing at us, the Lord takes that and uses it in us to create us into the kind of person who can walk in the promise that he's got us living towards. So that uh, just as we could go back and read uh, in Joshua, when we get to the promised land, we actually know how to live there. Right? <laughs> like, he is, he is preparing us. He has created... And, and listen to what I'm saying. The kind of people... This is not about a list of actions, behaviors, a moral code. This is about the kind of person that we are. It's about the kind of choices we make when nobody else is looking. It's about who the Lord is making us to be, which taps into who he's created us, how we're uniquely wired, our unique gifts and personalities in a way that's incredibly fulfilling. I want to go back, uh, many of you may know I grew up in a very traditional church, and, uh, and so I'm a little bit of an, an old hymns nerd, uh, mostly because I was a worship leader leading all these songs for a good chunk of my life. And I don't know if you'll be familiar, but there's a man, certainly probably not, most people would not be familiar with the author, but Russell Kelso Carter wrote a song in the late... 1800s called Standing on the Promises. Uh, this was a favorite in our old church, and we had, you know, different people would sing different parts, and it's, it's just really fun. But I read the story of sort of how this song came to be, and actually he had written it and sort of, I don't know, maybe not put it away, but it was like there in his catalog, and, and I just want to read you this short excerpt. Although Carter was a professed Christian for most of his life, it wasn't until a crisis with his natural heart that he began to understand the reality and power of the Bible's promises. At age 30, his health was in a critical condition, and the physicians had reached a point where they said, there's nothing more we can do for you. And if you can imagine you know, the state of medicine in this time period, uh, that probably pretty much felt like a, a, a terminal uh, diagnosis. Well, Carter turned to God for help and healing. He knelt and made a promise that healing or not, see, he wasn't telling the Lord what to do, but he made a determination in his heart that healing or no, his life was finally and forever fully consecrated to the service of the Lord. And it was from that moment that the written word, 
of God actually became alive to Carter. And he began to stand on those promises, determined to continue to believe in the hope that he professed, no matter how he felt. And over the course of the next several months, slowly his strength returned and his heart was actually completely healed. And he actually lived a completely healthy additional 49 years, which would have certainly, by the medical standards of that day, been considered a miracle. But in light of that, he looked back and realized the song that he had written, Standing on the Promises. And as you can imagine, it became so much more real. And, and when, I, when I hear those lyrics, I can't help but think of that other familiar story of the man who built his house on the sand and the man who built his house on the rock. That's what we're standing on. We're standing on the rock, a rock that is not able to be moved. It is a firm foundation. And as long as we stay standing on that rock, hand in hand with our partner in the power of the Holy Spirit, we can withstand, we can resist whatever it is that the enemy try, try to throw at us or this crazy world might try to take us through. I'm going to look at one final verse for today. Well, actually, I guess there is two more. Second Peter, I know, right? Big surprise. Second Peter 3, 9, this is from the ESV, says, The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, wishing, not wishing, that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Now, okay, you know, yeah, I've heard that. Maybe you've heard it. Uh, the Lord is not slack concerning his promises. There's a bunch of different ways that it's rendered. But, but what I think the heart of this is, is it's speaking to those moments where we are still holding on, we are still believing, we're leaning towards that promise, and yet it's still not fulfilled. And, and, and we might have this temptation or this tendency to think, you know, come on, Lord, get it in gear. Like, why are we still waiting? You know, it's, it's, I mean, I'm, I'm as guilty as anyone to slip into to impatience. You know, Lord, this thing that you've, that you've shown me is so good, when can we get to that? Like, when can I do that? And he's encouraging us here. The Lord is not, he's not just dragging his feet. He's not just being lazy or not feeling like getting around to it yet. He's actually being patient. As I described earlier, so that when you step into your promised land, you are the kind of person who can bear up under the weight of the place that he's brought you. I, I don't know if you've thought about it this way, but there, there is weight and, and, and pressure and burden to victory. It's not, it's not only difficult when things are bad. It's actually difficult to live this when things are good. It's difficult when things go right to not kind of check out from my relationship with the Lord. You know, all right, I don't, I don't feel like I have any, any pressure on me now. You know, my needs are met, my belly's full, my bank account's balanced. 
you know, things are, are pretty good, and so apathy can just sort of set in. To get to the place the Lord is taking us, we need him to develop us. We need the kind of character that the weight of blessing doesn't turn into a curse and crush us. Um, maybe the last way I, I want to illustrate this is, you know, uh, many of you are probably at least vaguely familiar with, with the winemaking process. Like, part of that process is, uh, you know, and in some of the you know older ways, it, you put everything in a big vat and you literally just get up there and just stomp and just, you, you, you've got to crush things. We, we as believers, we don't like getting crushed, right? And that's okay. You don't, you don't have to like it. But you should count it joy. You should count it joy because the Lord does that for those whom he loves. And now I'm not talking about, you know, disease and sickness. I'm talking about when, when the Lord's asked you to do something and it's just a difficult thing. Like it's right, but it's difficult. In those moments of, of crushing, if we allow the Lord to be with us in that process, he will make us into that new wine. Let me, let me say this a different way. If you have a promise over your life that you're living towards, you can either be patient and lean towards it and allow the crushing to happen in secret you know, I'm not, I'm not saying that has to be on display for everybody, but, but here's the key. This is where people get tripped up, especially in the ministry. If you don't allow the crushing to happen in secret, if you don't cry out to the Lord and develop that intimate relationship with Him and allow Him to develop your character and, and instill in you His holiness, if you don't allow that process to happen, because He wants to do it with you privately, if you don't allow that to happen and you prematurely step into the spotlight or the promised land and you've not let that happen, then what ends up happening is, is, is this is where we see those tragic stories of, of you know, big name ministers falling into different things. You know, th- this is what happened. And I, I'm, not, I'm not accusing, you know, I don't know anybody's story. I don't even have anybody in mind. But, like, this is what happens if we don't allow the crushing, forming process to happen in secret, then the weight of the good will, will cause it to happen in public. And so we need to get before the Lord and cry out to him. If, we, if you feel like you're, you're in, a, in a crushing place, cry out to the Lord. Believe in his promises. Re- encourage yourself. Remind yourself of the promises, of the ways that he's answered before. And, and realize that if an answer has not come in your timing, it doesn't mean that it's not coming. There could be any number of things that might delay. But sometimes it means that, that you need to sort of let go of the results and just hold on to the promise and allow the Lord to mold you and shape you in that process. Well, now that you're all... Stirred up and encouraged and ready to charge hell with a squirt gun. We're going to go next week into Ephesians 6. And this is where the rest of the series will live. Um, 
These are just some things I felt like I wanted to share about courage. And what we're going to do in the following weeks is we're going to walk through that Ephesians 6 passage, and we're going to look at the different pieces of armor. Um, it's not going to necessarily be a teaching about all of the symbolism, and, and, and although understanding that stuff is great, but it's going to be focused on trying to be as practical as we can with what are the tools that we need for the things that are before us. And, and you know, I know it might sound kind of wishy-washy saying, this is for you personally and for us, but it is because as each one of you in the body begin to thrive and step into fullness, the church body will begin to thrive and step into fullness. Sound good? All right. 